On Halftime, the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego from Fordiegos.com. For auction your car, car auction this Saturday. Still the greatest intro in the history of radio. <laughs> Carlos, welcome to 2015 on Halftime. How are you, Half? It's uh, great to see you, by the way. You, you, you're so svelte. Every time, every we've done this for about five years now. We every have. year, and uh, every year you come back from holidays, you must just hit the track. You must hit, <laughs> do marathons <laughs> because you look like a nuggety Japanese fullback right now. Right, yes, that's how I see myself too. <laughs> yeah, just just hard, hard body, and uh, and you know uh, you, you're doing the show, juggling the ball too in your hand. By the way, but uh, but in your foot, you know, you're juggling the ball. I can do it by foot too, if yeah, I needed yeah. to. It's just hard to do it with the desk in front of you. Yeah. But have, you have you watched much of the Asian Cup? I've watched the way, heaps. Yeah. yeah, yeah, watched heaps. I've enjoyed it. I love big contests. Love big sport. And this is certainly one of those in our region. Anyway, mm. it's been uh, been fantastic. And the support the people have given uh, the, the competition has been fantastic all over the country. It certainly has, and uh, and I know one of the biggest fears of the local organising committee was not so much that what. The, the crowds they were going to get in the knockout stages from the quarterfinals onwards, they knew that they'd get sellouts for those or qu- close to sellouts. Yeah. It was all the group games. You know, the ones involving, you know, Jordan and Saudi Arabia and, and Palestine. They've got through that and uh, with the huge, huge... Uh, uh, sort of mon- monkey off their back, and uh, and now I'm really happy with the results. I think over 250,000 people have turned up to games so right. far. I think their target is around about 500,000. So with uh, with finals and and big, uh, you know, stadiums being full, I think they'll get pretty close to it. Well, it's going to be good fun to see, of course, quarterfinals tomorrow kick off in the Asian Cup. Lots to talk about with that, but you've brought in with you one of the all-time greats, Carlos. I know, and uh, we had a fantastic uh, time with this guy last time he was in Australia, and uh, great response. And it uh, doesn't matter you know, how long he stays outside the country. Whenever he comes in uh, the country, everyone uh, is just really excited to have him around. All-time great Liverpool legend Craig Johnson join us. Uh, Craig, thanks for coming in. Great to see you again. Uh, good to be back. Good to be back. What have you made of the uh, the Asian Cup? I know you've been paying a fair bit of attention to that. Well, having listened to you two blokes go on, uh, <laughs> you know, I think there's a big, big um, uh, credit to the organisers um, and to the Australian public because, again, in Australia, you've got a bit of the tall poppy syndrome. So there were a lot of people laughing and saying, you know, Uzbekistan versus UAE, there'll be nobody there. But there were lots of people there and they've exceeded all the expectations and the quotas. So great credit to the Australian public who are now very football or soccer savvy. Uh, You couldn't say that 20 years ago. Um, And uh, I guess it it also shows the... uh, the tolerance and the um, the multi, uh, you know, multi-racial, multi-national uh, um, policy uh, that we've got here to welcome all uh, and to say, hey, you know, once upon a time this wasn't our game. Remember when it was uh, only you know the ethnics that played soccer? Mm. It had a real prejudice against it. Yeah. If you were a soccer yep. player, you weren't Australian somehow. Now I come here, you know, again twenty years later, and you've got the government actually backing and financing this sport uh, and everyone's come out and said wow so if you're, you're a Chinese a Japanese Uz- Uzbekistani if that's the right way of saying it sounds good right you're saying how good is 
this country, how good are these people, you know, to turn up for our matches, you know, and uh, it's a win so far, to be honest with you. Yeah. It, it, it's a real win so far. And you're competing with the, uh, the tennis here in Melbourne. You know, fabulous. It's good to be back in Melbourne, by the way. Well, it's great to have you back. Yeah, great good, to have you good back. town, mate. Good town. Well, well Craig, <laughs> you know how much the Diego's like to take you back in time. And let's, let's take you back to about 74. I don't know how old you were back then. About, what, 12? 14. 14 years old. 74. The Asian Cup has come to Australia in 1974. What would it look like? Well, it wouldn't have come here, you know. It wouldn't have come here. Uh, again, to paraphrase a, a great friend and legend of ours, Johnny Warren, Puffs, Sheilas and Wogs. Mm. That's, and that's the name of his book. Yep. You're probably allowed to say that back then. I'm not sure if you say it now, but I just did. Cause well, yeah, that's the title of a book. It's okay. Yeah, because, because Johnny's not here, so I'm paraphrasing him. So I'm not in trouble off John. But, uh, um, you know, the, the funny thing is uh, there was a real, real prejudice. It was un-Australian. The game was un-Australian, right? And, and if you were a proper bloke, mm. you played AFL or Rugby League or Rugby Union, you know, and... and you know, I wasn't a, a Wagpuff or a Sheila. I was just a skinny Aussie kid that that wasn't didn't have your muscles, mate. Um, and I couldn't I couldn't get knocked about on on the AFL or the rugby field. So I had to go the soccer route. Um, and again, to answer your question, Ralph, um, it would never have happened. It would never have happened. And that's how far I think the game has come in this country. And all credit to those that that hung in there. And it was the ethnics that have kept it alive for a long, long time. Funnily enough, I, I, I did an, an interview yesterday for BBC World Radio uh, and World Television. And the chap called Manny who asked the questions, he had no idea that that's the way it was. Right. But we're all old enough yeah. to remember that. You remember it, Huff. Yep, absolutely. R- 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 you remember it, Ralph. And I, I'm sure the uh, the older populations do. So I hate to say it, we've got to pat ourselves o- uh, on the back as, as, as Australians and say, wow, you know, we've now embraced the world game in such a big way. The government is saying, hey, Let's get out there uh, and be part of uh, of this, and and they're using it unashamedly as a tool to uh, to get into to the investment in Asia yep. uh, and relationship with China, Japan, uh, South Korea that, that we actually need to grow as an economic nation. Well, we, Craig, we, sorry, Craig, just really quickly, um, our, our producers, Ralph. Uh, yeah, I'm actually Carlos. I know I look a lot, a lot like uh, Ralph. You look like Ralph. Yeah, it's a spitting image. Like people are saying we're twins, but we, I understand out. the uh, the uh, <laughs> misunderstanding there. Sorry, but sorry, Carlos. That's okay. That's all right. We'll work with that. Just on that, just on that factor, uh, Craig, and I think it's important we talk about that. That you mentioned uh, the, the transition, the where the game's been and come to right here, right now. What impact? And we've seen the world, the far World Cup bid, but even that sort of got the juices flowing for Australian sports fans, regardless of how much they've loved soccer before or after. What what can this competition do? The fact that it has been so prominent for and t- taken so much of the news cycle for bare on a month, and probably will be more with the finals coming up. What can it do for the game? How big an impact can this have on the game? Well, in Australia. Yeah. Um, well, it, it, it's fundamental. Um, we've had two World Youth Championships here. No other country has had two World Youth Championships, FIFA World Youth Championships. And I know because I, I successfully bid for them. I was on the on the committee, the, right. the, the FFA committee back then, and, and bid for them. Um, and also to have the Asian Cup here. There's a very simple reason. I'll tell you what it is. It, it's, it's almost nothing to do with football, but the FIFA executives like Australia. They like Australians, okay. right? And and any excuse to come back here. So I was horrified by the World Cup bid 
uh, and what went, what went wrong with that. And it should never have, have gone wrong mm. li li like that. But it's very simple. This is a marvelous country, right? Yep. And we've had the most successful Olympics in a lot of ways. And we all understand, you know, um, what the power of Olympics does economically and, and, and pride-wise and with self-esteem to, to a nation. Um, and I think, you know, the 2000 Olympics turned Australia around as a, as a nation in the eyes of the rest of the world. Hey, these people are all right. Hey, their country's all right. Mm. Fortunately, uh, prices soared and it was very difficult to buy a house around Sydney Harbour. <laughs> I know because I tried. Uh, um, but, but, you know, we, we've got to be stand on our own. And, um, you know, another in interesting stats that we, we've, we've lost now, you know, you've got to say, well, well, who are you when you travel abroad? You're, you're Australian. Well, okay, what does that stand for? Well, I'm a good bloke. I'm a fair bloke. I'm a gentleman. Mm. I am tolerant. You know, all the things that you'd like to think that we are when you see another Aussie, you know, either in London or Spain or Italy or even in America. Yeah. You know, and I think that we're also a huge sporting nation. And, and within, you know, the rules and the tussles of sport, you learn a lot of things about winning graciously and losing graciously. And you might have a fight on the field and punch a bloke in the face. But when it's over, you go up and you shake his hand and say, mate, sorry about that, lost my rag. And he says, yeah, I've done the same thing, let's have a beer. Mm. You know, and, and I think that, you, you know, when you ask me what does the Asian Cup mean, just the fact that it's here, uh, it's being broadcast to all the Asian neighbours that we have yep. that we want to do business with, you know, that we want to um, integrate with. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm very sad at a lot of the stuff that's happening in the world, you know, and, and the Middle East issues, so shall we call them. Yep. Uh, and that's the opposite of what sport brings, uh, brings you know, the values that sports bring. That, that's exclusion, you know, that's, um, you know, uh, being unfair, that's it's fighting, you know, in the wrong spirit of things uh, without getting into it. We all know, you know, What's what we're on? talking yeah. about. And, and I think the battle these days is for young minds because you've got this young digital sophisticated consumers coming through that know far more about social media and all that and there's some weird messages getting to them and you know that means they're not you know playing sport playing afl they're not having fun with their mates and and i think in a teamwork we've all been in a team and there's always a tough guy and a hard guy you know, who says, hey, do that again, I'll clip you around the ear, yeah. right? And then in, in a soccer team anyway, then there's 11 other blokes. If you do the wrong thing, let the team down, they'll all clip you around the ear and you don't do it again. And I think that we've got to have sport coming more into the community and sports people providing role models um, so that things don't go awry. Anyway, anyway, I know that's all altruistic and sounds big picture, but I'm getting old now. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm 54 years old and... Uh, you know, been a bit sick and you start to question why you're here, what are the experiences you've had, what can you pass on, what's your legacy? So if I'm so sounding a bit like a boring old fart kids, <laughs> that's, that's because I am. But I've been out there and I've lived it and, and I've got four, my, four kids myself and I kind of know what works. So if I'm sounding a bit like a, a school teacher, Carlos, please forgive me. <laughs> no, not at all. No, I think uh, you touched on a really important point there, Craig, in that you're know, talking about the values in sport and, uh, and that, what that can do for communities and for cities and countries and, and even the world, depending on the event that's, uh, that's being played and how it's being played, uh, which brings me to uh, the role models that footballers are. And I know 
you know, if people, you know, get Craig Johnson in the room, I'll tell you what Craig Johnson means to Australian footballers over generations and generations. Mm. And, uh, and you know, the the absolute inspiration he provided to, for Australian footballers to go off and, and create uh, and, and, you know, live their dream as professional footballers overseas. But in this country right now, we have footballers in the A-League and we've caught the ultimate, the Socceroos. How do you think they're going at the moment, not only in football terms, but also as a brand and as, as role models for the Australian community? Brilliant. Brilliant. I'm uh, really impressed by them. I look at this figure or this KPI that says we're 100th in the FIFA rankings. Yep. Then I see them play. And I go, hang on a sec, you know, somebody's missed the plot here. Um, and I know that we've played against um, Oman and, and Kuwait, and they aren't the best teams in the world. Um, but the style with which we've played and the attitude of the players to run off the ball for each other, that's when you know a team's playing well. And what I personally think it is, is we've had two or three generations of Dutch coaches. Yep. You know, and, and the Dutch are good at football in Holland. Yep. Right, but what do they know about young Australian kids and what's in their minds? Whatever Ange has done, and you know he's second or third generation Australian bloke, obviously with Greek Greek heritage, um, and you think he's talking to them as an Australian. He knows what's in their mind because whatever they're doing, they're running their pants off for each other, right? And um, I can see it. And it's much like Liverpool. Season and a half ago, Carlos, when mm. when you know you had Sturridge, Suarez, Suarez, uh, Raheem Sterling just running everywhere, right? When you start running for each other, you're running for your mates to provide them an option, right? Australia are doing that now. Mm. Um, so I've actually said I think they can win the tournament. You know, the Korea game didn't worry me at all because even though they got beat, I saw enough of what I'm talking about. Um, you know, and, and they're playing above their station because they like each other and yep. they like the manager. And if you watch football as, as often as I have, you look for body language that says, I really don't want to make a run here in this heat in Brisbane, you know, a, a 40 or 50 yard run, but my mate's on the ball and I'm going to give him an option. So they're also playing with this swashbuckling style. And I was explaining to this BBC journal, uh, English bloke yesterday, um, I said, you know, someone called, he, he said, well, explain the style. I said, mm-hmm. I said, do you remember a bloke called David Campisi? <laughs> he said, a rugby player. I said, yeah. I said, do you remember a tennis player called Pat Cash? He said, yeah, yeah, I do. I said, do you remember a bloke used to play for Liverpool called Craig Johns? He said, yeah. I said, none of us knew what we were doing, <laughs> right? But, but what we were doing was having a go and, and shaking something out of the trees. And if you just run for no apparent reason and say, I'm going to do something different, whatever it is, that, it's a bit like Suarez, you know. Uh, th- people, your teammates pick up on that and say, "Let's go with him." If they like you, yeah. Mm. If yeah. they don't like you as a bloke, they say, "Let him leave, go and you hang yourself." Yeah. <laughs> and you, it, you know, uh, uh, and I hate to say it, that might be happening at Liverpool, one or two blokes right now. Um, but it's fascinating, you know. If you really know a sport, yeah. you know a bloke that's given a hundred percent. You know a bloke that's giving ninety-nine percent, and the I call it the subconscious one percent. And there's a huge difference. Anyway, you asked me a simple question. How are Australia <laughs> playing? And, mate, I think they're, given their 100th in the, in, in the FIFA ratings, yep. you know, I predict if they do as well as they have done and led by, by Timmy Cahill, who, who I adore, 
uh, and he plays our best team and Jednak comes back, I think they can win the Asian Cup. Well, let's hold that. Let's talk more about that after the break. We'll go through the quarterfinals and uh, who might be the contenders for the Asian Cup, which is not too far away. January 31, the final at ANZ Stadium. But we're going to get past China tomorrow from an Australian point of view. Three other quarterfinals as well. Carlos Alberto Diego is with us and a legend, Craig Johnston as well. We'll all be back after this. 27 past one, Carlos Alberto Diego is back for 2015. Brought with him a legend, Craig Johnston as well. And we've got plenty to talk about with these two learned gentlemen. We want to touch on the Socceroos and, uh, and Tim Cale. You mentioned Tim Cale before. You adore him. Wouldn't mind finding out why that is, Craig. But just on before we get to that, um, the, the game tomorrow night v China, boys, it was... Wasn't supposed to be this way. We were supposed to finish top of the pool, which didn't quite happen. How big a blow could that be coming up against China tomorrow night in Brisbane? Um, having watched Iran play, and I know they play a different style. They they sit back, they defend brilliantly, and they just you know electrifying breaks that uh, really break the heart of people. And they don't worry too much about possession, uh, but just such a strong, skillful, clever, really well coached team. I, uh, I you know whether you're playing Japan in the semi or Iran. Uh, for me, it doesn't matter. So uh, we have had a lot of experience though against Japan over the years. Yep. So there's a lot of familiarity there. I know that the, 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 having been in Osaka, watching that last game and watching Timmy Cale come on and get the goal, uh, when the Japanese had prepared all week. I mean, the media all week was how they're going to stop Tim Cale. Yeah. And he comes on as a sub and within two minutes he scores uh, three man in the box. Three, it broke their hearts. If you see, it, Even though they'd won that game, it broke their hearts. And and Timmy, if he could if he could grow any any bigger, certainly grew bigger uh, in the confidence he had playing against them. So they would be absolutely petrified about Tim Cale. Mm. Whereas the Iranians, we haven't played them as much, and I know they know about Tim Cale, but they've probably not had the experience playing against him as much. So I would rather play Japan, to tell you the truth, even though they're a great side and they played really good football last night. And the Chinese, Craig, what have you made of their? Uh, competition so far? Well, I saw them in Canberra a couple of nights ago against North Korea, and, um, you know, I really liked them, um, but Korea, North Korea, got to them in the second half, um, and that made me quite confident that, that Australia can get to them. Uh, one observation of, of a lot of the Asian teams um, is they play very mechanically, and they're all technically gifted and, and, and very confident and... and um, uh, capable, uh, but they play very robotic. Yeah. And what I was trying to say to you before with the David Campeses, uh, Australia are well drilled, well marshaled, um, but they they burst out in this creativity off the ball, which I'm liking. And I didn't see too much of that for the last ten years. Yep. Mm. But I, I'm seeing it now, and and I think if uh, if 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 Cruzy and Lecky can get that get at them and get behind them. You know, I, I think we'll be all right, you know, and uh, we, you mentioned Timmy Cahill before, and he, yeah. he's the talisman. Uh, Timmy's a wonderful, unique character and person as, as, as a bloke. If you meet him, you're immediately engaged. He's wonderfully kind of um, uh, naive and, you know, uh, giving yep. and inclusive. And the first time you met him, you, you meet him, he's always got a big smile on his face um, and... His value to Ange and, and the dressing room is, is, is immeasurable. Yeah. And he did that at Everton. He, he did it at Red Bulls. Um, and um, I just don't know how he scores those goals. You, you know that, that wonder goal in the World Cup? Mm. He, he could have hit that 100 times and been nowhere near the goal. Yeah. And just when, when you need him, you know, when you need him, 
he's there. And I said it the other day to, to you know, the BBC guy. Um, years ago, if I was fighting for Australia in Gallipoli in the trenches, who would I want next to me? Timmy Cahill. Timmy Cahill. Yeah. That's Craig, who I'd you, want next to me. You obviously have got to know him as a person too. I mean, we know him as a footballer and, you know, he just gets on the field and just does it for Australia over and over and over again in the way you talk about the values and the role models. I mean, it's just such a fantastic role model. But you've got to know him as a person. Uh, over the last, you know, 12 months or so when you've had a bit of a hard time yourself in your life and, uh, and he's sort of come and supported you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the person that's Tim Cahill? Yeah, well, well, like I said to you, first time you meet him, um, he's wonderfully naive. He's got this certain pa- personality. He asks the dumbest questions. <laughs> you, you know, one of those blokes you think he's either an idiot or a genius, and, and Timmy's neither. He's just a nice bloke. So, 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 so the more you know him, he, he's also very enthusiastic, and we share something in common, which is grassroots youth development, you know, you know um, mm. and, you know, he couldn't afford a pair of boots. His parents couldn't afford a pair of boots for him. So he he talks that story. Um, I, I talk about my parents selling their house to finance my trip uh, to England. Um, and um, he did something that that uh, I never. Um, he represented his 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 country, you know, many many times. Um, and and that hurts me that I wasn't able to do that. And uh, I feel like he's done it for me. So we're very similar people. Um, in a lot of ways, and uh, I, j- I just I, I told you before, I've, I've been very sick since last time I saw you. Um, and um, Timmy flew down from New York a couple of times to sit with me. Um, Did he? Yeah, yeah. And uh, we spent a whole day talking about Australian soccer, grassroots, youth development, youth development, what teamwork and sport means to at-risk kids in communities and how we could influence those communities and those you know uh, um, uh, various places that are the tough part of town mm. like Redfern and Sydney and what have you uh, and how we could get into those young kids minds what we know work for us as human beings and as Australians which is humility um, teamwork you know, self-sacrifice, all of those things that I think are going out um, of society, which which troubles us both. Uh, you know, single single parent neighbourhoods and stuff like that. So um, yeah, yeah. So we, we had a, a grand old time and um, uh, talking about that stuff. He's got some plans. I've got some some plans. I said, well, why don't we join together at some stage? Um, and I'm sure that'll happen when he when he finishes. Uh, when, when we win the World uh, sorry, not the World <laughs> Cup, uh, I'll get to that. Well, the World uh, Cup the, would be the good Asian, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the Asian Cup, and uh, y- y- you know, he's he's just he's just uh, Australia would have been turfed out of the last three World Cups if it wasn't for Timmy Cahill. Mm. You know, um, and I've always had my concerns about the youth development that, that that's going on, and you know, especially with soccer uh, in this country. Um, but Timmy's Timmy's been our saviour. You know, and I just hope he goes out with a big bang and scores the winner in the final. I mean, mm. you know, what a, what a, what a legend. That would be nice. And we need to get the break shortly. But have you ever seen a – have you seen many players capable of influencing contests and national level, club level, whatever they be, like Timmy Cale? He just does it time in, time out, as you say. Yeah, it's it's um it's a weird one, you know. It it it, it I've I've never really seen anything like it, you know. Uh, he's he's not normal, you know. He's an English <laughs> father, a, a Tonga mother, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Samoan, Samoan, yeah, Samoan right? Samoan, you're right. Um, and um, you got to meet him. You got to get him in the, in the, in the uh, in the studio, 
and chat with him. He's he's like a big baby. <laughs> he's like a big baby. He's got this 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 sponge of a mind, and he, he asks the dumbest questions. And I guess then people give him the simplest answers, and he gets it, and he moves on. Yeah. And and with his soccer technical ability. You know, he's like Luis Suarez. He gets the best out of other people's. He's a born, you know, he's born captain. I know, you know, under Jedinak, but he doesn't need a, an armband, Timmy, to to play the captaincy role. You know, mm. you know, and I'm talking on the field and yep. off it. You know, and and Jedinak is a wonderful captain, wonderful player, by the way. Uh, mm. And and thank goodness the two get on get on pretty well. It's a, it's a great story, the Tim Carl story, and we look forward to it finishing magnificently in the final when we get there, the Aussies. I'm sure that'll happen in the Asian Cup. But 25-2 to 2 on a Wednesday afternoon, Carlos Alberto Diego, who has now got the um, job of getting Tim Carl in the studio, by the way. <laughs> it's now your job. And Craig Johnston, legend of Australian soccer and Liverpool legend as well. Won't even touch on Liverpool after the break, Carlos. Plenty to talk about there. A bit going on. Back shortly on halftime. 20-2 to 2 on halftime. Carlos Alberto Diego is with us and Craig Johnston as well. Yes, that's the one, the legend. That's him. He's with us in the studio. It's been terrific to have him getting some excellent feedback via the SMS machine for his contribution to the afternoon. Not surprised, by the way, having had him in before. Lots to talk about, boys. Just before we get to the EPL and Liverpool particularly with the club very fond of Craig's heart, Massimo Luongo Carlos, you've been um, pumping this boy's tyres up for 18 months or so. Mm. You've seen, obviously, a long time ago, something in this kid, but he's exploded this tournament. What's What's been the trigger? Well, he's exploded because we don't see him week in, week out for his club uh, in Swindon, uh, Swindon Town, which is a second tier of English English football at the moment. They're vying for promotion, but he's a, a bloke who was loaned out to Swindon Town uh, from Tottenham Hotspur, another club that's uh, close to uh, Craig's family. Uh, they, he was a player that was recruited by them as a 16, 17-year-old straight from Australia. And they held him in such high regard that he was actually training with the first team you know, with some great players for many years, mm. uh, but just could not force his way into that side. And it was a time where they felt that they started loaning him out. And he went to Swindon and started building a reputation there. Uh, but when uh, Andres Villas-Boas uh, was at uh, Tottenham Hotspur, he ended up making that move a permanent move, even though there were many on the coaching staff at Tottenham saying, you're making the biggest mistake. This kid's going to be something special. And he's showing it now. I mean, uh, hasn't really surprised me so much, but I get excited by the fact that, He's a player that's uh, almost a complete player in that not only has he got fantastic technical ability, but he certainly reads the game really well, and he actually throws himself into tackles too. And, uh, and you get worried because he hasn't got a really big frame about him either. So, uh, but when you get someone like him, and I hope in maybe in the coming year we'll see Tommy Rogic come good, and suddenly we've got two of these special, special players in the middle of the park to build our Socceroos for the next 10 years. And it goes back to what you were saying before too, Craig, about Ange Postacoglu and his ability to talk to these players and get the best out of them. And firstly, he gave him a crack. There were some suggestions after the first game um, in the Asian Cup that he shouldn't have started, but Ange backed him, gave him, had faith in him, gave him the chance, and he's blossomed. Well... Like Carlos, Ange knows his stuff. Uh, he knows his players because that, that's his job. Mm. Um, and sometimes, you know, what players need is an arm around them and say, hey, come on, mate, we know you're better than this. And uh, I know where you're coming from. And clearly, Ange can do that. Clearly, Villas Boas couldn't do it because mm. he got sacked from Chelsea and Spurs. <laughs> 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 you, 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 you know, so um, it's lovely to hear Carlos um, as appraisal uh, of, of Longo. Um, and the lovely thing is the stage is now set. If he's going to be a world-class player, he's got a quarter-final, a semi-final, a final coming up. And that's yeah. what I'm looking forward mm. to. Um, the stage is set for, for you know, this team spirit that um, 
that Ange has, has built. A um, little, little, little bit concerning, and, and again, we're saying, I, I, I'm saying I think Australia can win this if they really play you know, out of their socks, yep. you know, and, and it's lovely where you can get, talking of Tottenham Hotspurs, you get a, a load of players uh, who have paid a fortune, very good players, and they, under, they, they underperform. They're playing on 80% of their potential, you know, yet you'll get a Crystal Palace or someone like that that, that plays 20 or 30% above their potential. And I think that Australia is in that mood now where he's got all of these Aussie Aussie hearts and minds running for him and mm. running for each other, um, so it's 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 going to be really interesting. Um, you mentioned something, um, Daniel. Both of you were talking about the fact that um, uh, Mark Schwartz's piece um, and what was it uh, that yeah. Mark said in the paper? Yeah, again? just so Mark Schwartz came out in the last couple of weeks, quite controversial. I think people misinterpreted, saying thinking that he was taking a swipe at the A League, but I didn't read that at all. He actually came out and say, said that the difference between his generation and also generations before him, when they went to Europe, they stayed there until they made it. They just st- just stayed there and they were resilient and they went through thick and thin until they made it. Mm. What he almost uh, uh, decries these days is the fact that a lot of young Australians go over, quite talented young Australians, and they don't stick it out. And he just feels that that's now translated to the quality that's uh, that's you know going through up into the Socceroos and maybe the young Socceroos. And, and he just feels there's too many options these days for young Australian players. They can go to Asia, they can come and play in the A-League, which are very good leagues, and they can make some nice, you know, a nice living in those leagues. And he feels that that's really the problem with the young generation of footballers yeah. coming through that way. And I, I wanted to ask Craig, given that you went through the ultimate thick and thin, a lot of thick, yeah. uh, well, well, that's a lot co- of thin, sorry, a lot of thin. That's only because I couldn't afford my fare back home. Yeah. Well, you had no options. <laughs> that's a great story there. But that, that, I had no option. But yeah. that's, a, that's a thing that, that I think things are so different these days in that there is, there's just so many more options. And one question I'd like to ask you, Craig, not only on the back of Mark Swartz's comments, which I'd love to get your opinion on, but also if you were a, a young Craig Johnston now from Lake Macquarie running around with your, with your pretty pink boots and... <laughs> You know, with uh, you know, your, your gelled hair, and you know, whatever they, you, you, you want to be Cristiano Ronaldo running around at Lake Macquarie football. What would be your career path to start in these days? Your parents wouldn't um, be mortgaging their house, would they? Well, before before the hair gel and the pink boots, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll get back to Mark Swartz's <laughs> comments. And um, when I went to England, um, there was actually five other guys, right, that that came after me, and I, I'm talking about a year, maybe two years after okay. me. And most of them from Borigal High School, and they were all better players than me. Peter Denick, Malcolm McClelland, um, Michael Bugard, Sinsalski, uh, Joe, Joe Senkowski, yeah, 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 yeah Stefan Kamas, um, and none of them made it a- apart from me. They were all better players than me, and I actually think that 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 I actually loved it more and wanted it more, and was prepared to. You know, we're all homesick. We all had girlfriends. You know, it, it was the middle of the summer on, on uh, you know Newcastle's beaches. We're all surfers and cricket yeah. players, uh, so so it was interesting, um, and it's it's linked, um, you know that that sort of assessment of of what Mark Schwartzer was getting to because he's you know a fair dinkum Aussie who wants a better team and a better code of play and better players as I do, as we all do. Yeah. So whoever's criticising his comments need to criticise themselves, you know. Um, what he actually said was they're taking a soft option. So they get over to, to Europe, 
you know, they come into the hard knock school uh, of, of professional football and they say, whoops, you know, this is too hard. You know, I'll, I'll take a soft option and I'll, I'll play in the A-League. Um, so, so, you know, he wasn't being negative. It's a fact. Mm. Uh, and if you look at the Australian national team now, right, there's one player uh, currently playing, you know, uh, in, the, in the Premier League, the, the, the biggest league in the world. Ten years, and that's Jednak. Yep. Great player for Crystal Palace, great captain. Ten years ago, there was ten, the golden generation of Australian soccer, there was ten footballers. Timmy Cahill, Harry Kuehl, uh, Brett Emerton. Uh, Lucas Neal. Lucas Neal. Ocon was over Viduka, there. Viduka, yeah. Viduks. Yep. I mean, hang, hang on a sec. And, and I tell you, the fa- one of my favourites of all was Stan Lazaridis. Yes. He yeah. never gets a mention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was a brilliant yeah. player for great West Ham. My point mm. being, ten years later... And all of that money spent and all the Dutch coaches in the world, there's now one player that's good enough to that's play in the biggest... That's an interesting point. Now, now the, the funny thing is, right, there should be 30 or 40 players, right, who are good enough in Australia to play for, you know, the likes of Man U, uh, Liverpool, Arsenal. And, 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 and you were saying earlier about, about how the Swindon boys are, uh, people are really proud of Massimo. Yeah. Really interesting. But we should have 30 or 40 players. If our grassroots politi- policies and youth development policies were correct, all this money being spent and there's a, a key performance indicator that says, well, look, we need better to be better equipped for an Asian Cup. Again, very quickly, just say that, you know, we all have dreams, we all have visions, you know, and some of us, like myself, when you're getting old, you say, what's the legacy? And I've always said that my two loves in life, Australia and football, I want Australia to win the World Cup, not just the, the Asian Cup, the World Cup, right? And, and, and I met with David Gallup on the second day he got the job. And um, I said, look, I'm not looking for a job, but I'm very concerned about our youth development. I said, fundamentally, do you know what your job is? And he looked at me with steely eyes. he just come from Rugby League, David. He said, no, inform me. I said, well, as far as I'm concerned, your job is to win the World Cup for Australia. And he laughed. And I said, no, I'm being serious. I said, do you know how you do it? And he said, no, inform me. Again, he looked at me as if to say, are you taking a mickey? Yeah. Uh, and I said, well, I said, in 2026, you, you need to have 11 players and a substitute on that field that are more skillful than the Brazilians, the Germans, or the Spanish that you're about to play. I said, that's all you have to do. I said, now, how <laughs> you all. Yeah, 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 but think about it. It's not, you think about it. Yeah. If you look at it, those terms. Now, there's 10-year-olds there's in Brazil, Germany, and Spain that are just as talented as our kids. Mm. In fact, our kids are more talented in certain regards. But it's that, that, that environmental and cultural issues that get our kids out there with a football on a daily basis doing their soccer homework and that's who's going to win the World Cup. It's that simple. They haven't got four arms and four legs. They're not super racers. Australia needs to needs to go up that that list of FIFA and 100, you know, and and I think we can win the Asian Cup. But at the same time, we need to look at our 10-year-olds now and prepare them for 2026. The FFA will be listening. Craig Johnson there, back shortly. (laughs) 
Craig Johnson, our special guest with Carlos Alberto Diego today. Carlos, I know you want to touch on a bit of Liverpool news. Just a little bit of news. Of course, uh, it was announced a couple of weeks ago, Craig, that Stevie Gerrard, uh, the legend of, Australia, of uh, Liverpool football, uh, has announced that he'll be leaving the club at the end of the year. And there's been a lot of debate in the papers, really well articulated and well written stuff in England, about those who say he was the greatest ever player that Liverpool's ever had. And those that saying praise. that... Sorry? High praise. Absolutely. I mean, there's some bloody good for Liverpool players, <laughs> as, as Craig would attest to. And then there's other uh, journos writing uh, paper, uh, articles about him uh, people laughing, at, laughing at the suggestion he's the best ever player. Now, you played with some of the best ever, if not the best. What's your view? Well, well the lovely thing about football, or, or soccer as we used to call it, um, is that... Um, it, it's all subjective and it's all opinion. Yes. In, in my opinion, um, Stevie Gerrard w- was the greatest ever Liverpudlian to play for Liverpool. Right. Um, my greatest ever player, and I did play with Ian Rush and Kenny Dalglish, was Luis Suarez. Mm. So it's all opinion. Jeez. It's all it's all you know subjective. Um, but I did a little forum at the Crown last night. There were some Liverpool supporters before the game. Um, and we, the Japanese game, on, which we watch on television. And we were talking about, um, you know, Liverpool's uh, demise this year um, compared with when Suarez was in the team. Because I said that, that, that it wasn't about what Suarez did on the ball. It's what he did off the ball. And the fact that he got 3 and 4% out of all his teammates. Because that, that subconscious 1% where they saw him diving into tackles, throwing his head in, you know, into situations you, ne- you should never throw your head in and all of that stuff, that rubbed off on it. And mm. they said, well, if he's getting hurt, we'll get hurt, right? And without mentioning names, there's a different, completely different foreign players coming this year and he's taken 2 or 3% of, off the players because they say, well, if he's not tackling, I'm not tackling. Mm. So it's, it's about that dressing room mix. So I say, if, if you ask me the question, that... Stevie Gerrard is the second best player Liverpool <laughs> has ever had, but he's a scouser. Yeah. But for me, Luis Suarez was the best player that has ever played in the Premier League. Mm. And I said that two years ago and, and got a bit of stick for it. Uh, and I say that because nobody else made me get off my seat and say, what the hell is he going to do next? <laughs> since since Georgie Best. Yeah. Mm. You, you, you know, you know so, so what we were actually saying last night as Liverpool people, how joyous... A we that we saw Dalgleish and Rush together, mm. and now how we've had the joy of being able to see Suarez and Gerard play together as a gentleman, right? And as a, an ambassador and a captain, Stephen Gerard is is the best ever by a long, long way. So, so that's my you know opinion from over here. And pretty educated opinion uh, has to be said, uh, boys. We have run out of time. It's been great to have you in, Craig. Always a pleasure to see you. Stay well, mate, and yeah, enjoy the you. rest of the Asian yeah. Cup. Yeah, indeed. Thank and Carlos, we'll see plenty more of you in 2015. Thanks, half my pleasure, mate. Back shortly after the news.